Welcome to the FinOps Fridays podcast, where we discuss all things FinOps. It's an educational resource to help you learn and build your capability in all things FinOps. We're also here to have fun, so we'll make it entertaining, have a few laughs, and share a few stories. All right, and welcome to the second half of the episode about forecasting. I'm here with Dieter. Let's jump back into it. Um, Dieter, in terms of, you know, we, we talk about FinOps, it's always about bringing teams together, bringing the finance, bringing the IT, the technical people. What are some of the roles in terms of forecasting? Who's involved in forecasting? You know, we spoke before about trend and driver-based. I'm guessing there's going to be a different set of people for driver-based because you're going to get more inputs. Um, who needs to be at the table for forecasting? I mean, definitely finance will be the primary driver around forecasting, right? They will provide the frequency, the duration, and uh, what the accuracy that is acceptable is, right? Beyond that, uh, unless finance actually does the forecasts themselves, they are typically not involved in the actual forecasting process. They just want the numbers for the most part, right? Um, I think next uh, I would talk about executives, right? Because they are the primary sponsors for process improvements around cloud usage, right? The FinOps uh, uh, team needs their understanding, their buy-in, their support, so that improvements can trickle down the organizational hierarchy, right? Um, then in the forecasting process, we are touching um, all kinds of areas, right? Um, specifically, I work a lot with engineering leaders. Uh, these can be vice presidents, directors, managers, um, you know, it doesn't matter, maybe, at a government or a, a, a nonprofit, it will be a little bit different, right? Um, you know, they, they communicate the FinOps processes and practices to the engineers. They provide training opportunities, validate that processes are being followed, and hopefully reward positive outcomes. Um, the engineering leaders will be the primary owners during the forecasting process. They will work with their engineering teams to produce forecasts and validate them. Uh, it is important here that once a, a forecast has been shared, any substantial changes later on need to be communicated to the forecasting team. Otherwise, um, the forecasting team doesn't know about any of the plan changes. Gotcha. And in terms of, um, you know, you mentioned things like driver base, you know, you run your system uh, once a day, you report on it monthly. Um is there a point where your forecasting can actually be trigger-based, where people come to you and say, hey, a situation in my business has changed. We need to update our forecasting model for X, Y, Z. And they're actually pushing and triggering a change to the forecasting. Does that happen much? Uh, it, it happens, but not triggered, right? Um, we just tell them, um, let's say there's a new workload, right? Um, for example, you might launch a new website. And, uh, you know, that website costs like 150000 a month. It is a complicated website. Um, so they have a forecast. And I typically ask them, hey, just upload it uh, to our database um, every month, right? How the ramp up, because it, it may not just start with 150, bam, in the first month, yep, right? Yep. You may have a gradual slope and then you taper out. And maybe it will go on forever. Maybe it won't, right? Maybe it's an experiment that you do for three months as part of a marketing campaign, and then you turn it uh, down again, right? So um, provide that uh, estimate into uh, our database, and then at 6.30, the system will pick it up automatically, 
Um, and then in the morning, you know, I mean, at 7.30 it's available, but maybe they are not available at that time. So in the morning, you can then look at the effect of the forecast. Uh, we can trigger the system and we have done so before, but uh, for the most part, it's not necessary because it runs every day anyway. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. Um, is there any, in terms of, you know, who should be in involved in forecasting, is there anybody that should not be involved in forecasting that you want to keep away or maybe question their input? Maybe they're going to, you know, over, if it's going to be sort of a sales marketing, maybe they sort of push figures that are a little bit too sort of happy than being a little bit critical. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anywhere, is there any particular areas that, that need a bit of caution? Yeah, I haven't really seen um, anyone that shouldn't be involved with forecasting, right? Even sales and marketing may have substantial impact on cloud costs, depending on what it is that they are doing, right? Like, for example, a new widget being sold, like, you know, a new player or like a new remote control, a new country being onboarded, right? Roku um, started in, in Brazil. We are actually sponsoring a, a soccer team over there, right? Uh, a marketing campaign that will drive traffic to the cloud workloads, those kind of things, right? There are some teams that typically don't participate in cloud forecasts just because there is no need. Uh, legal is usually not involved, procurement, HR, facilities, you know, these types of areas. Yeah, gosh, there's no actual benefit or input output. They're just an ancillary team on the side. That's right. <clears throat> Excellent. Um, we sort of touched, and you mentioned maturity as well. What, do you, what, what are peace people supposed to expect as they progress and build maturity, uh, as they build capability in the forecasting? You know, what does it look like? Are there types of forecasting? You know, we mentioned you start with trend and then you start to go to driver and you, you, know, you refine and improve on your driver based. Um, what do people see in terms of their forecasting? And also, what do they expect from their forecasting? Is it just better accuracy or, as we mentioned, better insights from the organizations as well? Yeah, the, uh, that's that, that's actually, there's multiple effects of that, right? The better accuracy, finance definitely likes that. Better insights, I think engineering leaders uh, like that. Uh, also, you know, as your maturity progresses, um, it, it will really depend on what the business needs, right? In the beginning, a forecast may be triggered by an ad hoc request, right? Uh, finance may come and say like, hey, we need budget for the next year. This cloud thing is getting out of hand. <laughs> How much will you need next year, right? Or it is, uh, hey, you know what? Um, our cloud vendor uh, came to us and said like, uh, we qualify for an enterprise discount, um, but we need to commit to a dollar number over a certain time period. What should the dollar number be, right? So it's sort of triggered by, by other events. And as you mature, this will become uh, more of a practice that you that you uh, develop, right? For example, uh, while we use driver-based forecasting for Amazon Web Services, we are just onboarding GCP to the system, right? GCP is about 20 million annually. Uh, and we have no plans of including Azure as our spend is still relatively minimal there, uh, 2 million annually. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and how do you know if you're doing well enough? Like, do, you know, I could be at the early maturity stages and getting some rough numbers, but am I okay? How, how does, what are some signs that everything is actually where you need and you don't really need to push additional capability in forecasting? Yeah, you know, and, and that is absolutely true, right? Um, I get that asked this question often. 
does every FinOps capability have to mature from crawl to walk to run? No, absolutely not, right? Um, if, if something is perfectly fine being done once a year in, in a crawl maturity, then that's all the business needs, right? If you were to spend additional funds on it, then you will just take those funds away from other things we could be doing. Um, a good way to judge if you need more is to look at the work that goes into building a forecast, right? If it takes several weeks, dozens of people are involved, and the process feels painful, look at what can be improved, right? Um, here, automation can be one of the answers, but also look at training. Uh, many times that I find that the people involved um, may not have the knowledge that they need. Um, they cannot be efficient, right? So training um, in which training in the discipline of forecasting or what training specifically? Just, you know, how to forecast, what, what is required for me, right? Uh, okay, you need monthly numbers or annual numbers, right? Uh, do you need it just for the account, the project or the subscription, or do you need it on a TAC combination underneath it, right? For example, database versus mobile front end, right? Um, then what kind of numbers do you need? Do you need the uh, gross uh, numbers, so list pricing? Do you need private pricing numbers? Do you need net pricing, which has uh, reservations, uh, committed usage discounts, uh, any of those kind of things attached to it, right? Uh, how, what is that deliverable that you're asking me to produce? Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and in terms of what are some of the non-obvious things that show that you need to take it to the next level, apart from getting yelled and screamed at that your figures are inaccurate? <laughs> are there other things um, apart from you know outright inaccuracy in the forecast, that that show you that hey we need to um, do things a little bit different. We need to progress. We need to start to refine. I mean you mentioned before things like you know the, the pain of putting it together. Uh, is there anything else? Yeah, I mean generally right. If if the forecast should not be 30, 50 people that all hands on deck exercise. And with like weekly or daily meetings to try to find the right numbers, right? This, this is definitely not, this is a huge waste for your business. This is not how you should do this, right? Um, if it takes too long, if too many people are involved, um, if, if it's just generally painful, um, that is one thing. Um, also, you know, we, we talked about accuracy, right? If the try to use as much as possible actuals. Right. Um, if some of the things like a workload that doesn't exist in the cloud yet, there's no other way you need to use one of the, you know, vendor provided uh, cloud cal uh, cost calculators and an engineer has to, you know, bring, come up with, with an estimate for that and then they can share that estimate. Right. Um, but the try to avoid using estimates, use as much as possible actuals. Uh, to get your accuracy, um, you know, improved. When it comes to generally, you know, what what can you improve on on cloud forecasting? Um, as I said, automation can be one uh, of the answers, and certainly is as you are more getting more mature. But I think another the, the training is definitely important, right? Look for anything self service, right? There's only one dealer. There is five thousand people at Roku. Um, uh, 10,000 at Intuit, right? Uh, look for self-service uh, wiki-style documentation that you can share, right? And if there is still um, some churn, uh, follow up in person, right? This is what I did with this one person that 
you know, it was just dragging his feet all the time. Everyone else was done. And my my 15% cloud spend person here didn't didn't do anything. When I talked to him in person, I realized that it's just him and one engineer being responsible for this, right? So you will have additional insights and simple questions in a 101, right? People are more likely psychologically to say, hey, I've never done this before. Um, someone else did this for my team. Can you just give me a brief overview, right? Or um, I have this, this forecast here. Um, do you want it in gross numbers uh, or net numbers, right? It's, it's simple things like that, that people may not feel comfortable um, sharing their lack of knowledge in a larger group. And then it's interesting, like in terms of getting better with forecasting, it's not just getting to an answer. It's, it is that art of doing forecasting and understanding the why and being able to take the outputs from forecasting and do with them. It's that whole process and everything encompasses. It's not just the, the calculation of a number type of thing as, as well. Like having a good appreciation for that is key. That's right. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so we're going to break for the mailbag. This is where we answer some questions from the previous episode of FinOps Fridays. Uh, as I mentioned before, if you have any questions, you can send us an email, reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. You can also, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave a comment below and we'll get to that comment as well. And we'll probably announce that in the mailbag. So over to the mailbag. Alrighty, and welcome to the mailbag. This is where we answer the questions and queries that you have from the previous episode of FinOps Fridays. Uh, this was Metrics That Matter with Eric. So first question, uh, it's cool to see that others aren't just focused on reducing costs, but how the cloud is improving unit economics. How do you get engineers to care about costs? Uh, how do you get anyone to care about certain aspects of the job in an organization? I would definitely say there's some good and easy quick hacks Build that culture, things like you know interviews, when people go for jobs at your organization, make sure you ask them FinOps questions, job descriptions, make sure it's in everyone's job description to set that expectation that in your organization, FinOps is something that is practiced by everyone. We've got that great saying in IT, security is everyone's responsibility. In the cloud, FinOps needs to be everyone's responsibility. So make sure you've got good, strong messaging. And of course, things like KPIs, if you expect somebody to do it as part of their job, make sure they're measured on it. And you've got some sort of carrot stick reward system there as well. If people are building systems that keep getting hacked or keep going down, is there a disciplinary action around that? Are they poorly performing in their job? The same thing needs to be applied to FinOps. If they're building systems that are just bleeding you dry because of the money that they're wasting. They're not efficient. Well, what's you know is that a performance problem? How do you actually address that? Second question, uh, how often should you review the unit economics with your cross-functional peers? Great question. I dare say it's gonna be dependent upon how much that workload changes or is evolving. If it's a legacy system that has no changes and it's just sitting there doing the same thing, I would probably say do something like a yearly, bi-yearly, quarterly check-in just to make sure. Uh, if, if it's a new workload, if it's constantly evolving, you're adding features and functionality to it more frequently. So think about how much it's changing. What is it actually doing? If that changes, then you should potentially change the unit economics as well. Uh, potentially think about the operational aspects. Are you monitoring? Are they changing the way it's monitored? That's probably a good indicator to think that maybe you need to change the way that you're measuring the value as well. 
what are some of the resources that are available to learn more? Uh, there was recently the TBM conference that was held in Austin. There was a great session by Mallory around that. So you can actually log on to that conference virtually and watch those sessions. Also, the FinOps Foundation has some documentation. One of the domains is measuring unit costs. So some great starting points to start to get into it. Otherwise, do the couple of quick searches on the usual video media platforms. Look at vendor presentations as well. There's always a few sessions around this over the last two years. So do some searching from the main vendors at some of their large conferences. What are some examples of unit economics that I commonly see? It's going to vary depending on you know every unit organization and every workload is potentially going to be different. Things like how much does it cost to serve a web page or you think about what the workload actually does. A better way to probably answer this is to how do you actually start to build it out? I would say start very, very high level. What's the total number of business outcomes from a workload for the month? And what's the total cost of that workload per month? Start there. Don't try and boil the ocean and build a really complex system and categories and everything. Just get started and iterate as it delivers value. So start with total outcomes, total dollars for the entire thing. Take that next step. Is there different types of outputs, maybe different types of requests coming in, premium, non-premium subscribers, things like that, and start to add a little bit more categorization before you start to add granularity. So different types of requests, different types of outputs, um, then you can start to step into things like different workload cost components. What's the front end versus the back end versus the database costs? And then start to go into things like hourly granularity. That's going to be something that potentially blows out your data set, makes it a little bit harder. So start to get more business insight before you go for the technical details. So that is it for today's mailbag for FinOps Fridays. If you've got any questions, if you're watching on YouTube, you can put them below, or you can also reach out to us, finopsfridays at appdio.com. Back to the show. All righty. And we are back for the last little piece after the mailbag. So let's look at some accuracy in the modeling and refinement. Uh, like anything in the cloud, forecasting needs to evolve over time. Did it, how do these models typically evolve? What are the sort of main evolutionary steps? So you sort of touched on them before, you know, start with some spreadsheets, trend-based. Uh, yeah, take us through mm -hmm. the evolution of um, forecasting. Yes, of course. So as I mentioned before, finance will typically provide the requirements, right? Around uh, frequency, duration, and accuracy. Um, as you mature, the forecast frequency is likely to um, increase. The duration is also likely to increase. Um, so, you know, instead of doing it once a year, you do it quarterly, you do it monthly. Um, and uh, before you just looked at the following year, and now maybe you're looking, you know, three, four years out. Uh, as you get into the habit of doing regular actual to forecast reviews, you may occasionally discover over or underspend, right? And this has to be followed up with the engineering leaders. Uh, you may discover issues that need adjustment with the forecasting algorithm as well. Um, one discovery we made that some workloads do not scale with business drivers. Very surprising to us, right? Specifically, we found observability and data as in a very broad sense, like data lake, data ingestion, data consolidation, any types of data, uh, scale with a percentage of total cloud spend rather than with a business driver. So, you know, let's say you have like 100% of the total cloud spend. We found that um, 
uh, industry average when it comes to uh, observability, uh, everything included is around 10%. Um, and industry average around data is around 30%, right? So uh, what we did is we, we did some outreach. We uh, contacted a whole bunch of FinOps practitioners, right? And we asked them the question, hey, at Roku, um, we are spending, you know, 9% on observability and 26% on data. Uh, how much are you spending on that, right? And then we just aggregated that and, and averaged it out so that we know where Roku stands uh, compared to the industry average, right? Um, when you look at new workloads or substantial changes to existing workloads, uh, also cloud services that um, are started being used, like you know security-related features or something like that, right? Um, these need to be estimated by engineering leaders and their teams. Uh, these estimates are then layered on top of the forecasts together with any optimizations. Um, once you have historic uh, billing data, the forecasting system will automatically pick up these changes moving forward. So there's there's like a whole bunch of things that um, you know you you will see and gradually improve as they happen. Nice, nice. Um, and we, we could get a laundry list here, um, but, but are there categories of external events and influences that force you to, to really fundamentally change your model or you know maybe push that next step of evolution? Uh, you mentioned things like new workloads, maybe. What is it that makes you change your model and really push it? Well, uh, not so much the model because uh, we we are already using driver-based, so the it's it's all related to the cloud tax, right? And the cloud tax are driving that. And um, so there's also one of our main challenges is around these uh, cloud tax. Um, teams split up or merge. Uh, there's leadership changes, right? A uh, new person gets hired, uh, an existing person leaves the company. Um, you know, people leave uh, while others join. All this causes a discontinuity in uh, cost allocation tax. A tag that existed last month no longer does now. Um, while there's a new tag for which you don't have uh, historic billing data. Um, the way we fix that is we use a tag mapping table to provide the forecasting system with continuity of actuals. Um, another main one are enterprise agreements. Sorry, um, I'll just quickly jump in. Uh, for anyone, yeah. uh, anyone that's listening, tags. Tags is when you put organizational information onto your billing system, things like yes. organization ID, so that you can then allocate your cloud costs back, uh, aligning to things like your business units and everything. Um, sorry, Data, continue. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, things like uh, business unit, cost center, um, uh, application, environment, those are typical tags, right? Like it's the production uh, mobile uh, that goes to this uh, business unit, right? Um, now, another main uh, reason for adjustments or pain points for us is enterprise agreements, right? These come with a new discount structure. So, for example, last month, uh, you had to discount X for a stock keeping unit or SKU. Uh, so the system will assume the same discount is going to happen for the current month as well. However, let's say you signed an enterprise agreement on the first of the current month, and it takes effect, let's say, on the ninth of the month. Um, then the system knows nothing about these new discounts, right, and the new discount structure. In the past, we simply waited a month for the system to correct itself. However, if there is a pressing need, uh, you can... Uh, 
apply those discounts um, in the system and adjust them manually. Excellent. So yeah, there's no real, once you've got a good solid, you know, automated or highly efficient driver-based system, you're always just sort of tweaking it, adding drivers, changing, removing drivers. But in terms of the actual model, there's no fundamental throw it out or replace a whole chunk. It's always just a continual tuning of it, so to speak. Yes, and maybe workloads could change in their nature as well, right? Something that was growing by streaming hours, maybe more growing by active accounts, like a machine learning workload, right? The character the characteristic of the workload may change over time and you need to recognize those changes. Um, for example, currently we, we had to we identify the over and underspend, and it turns out that a portion from a workload um, that was more data-driven was moved out of a, let's say, non-data account into the data account. So it, it will affect that it's now more spent in one account and less spent in another account. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Thank you very much. That is that for the episode here around forecasting. Uh, Dita, do you have anything uh, to plug or to uh, to help our guests find out more around forecasting and how to get started, how to progress? What are some of the things they can look out to and, and some of your work as well? Yeah. So when it comes to uh, forecasting, the FinOps Foundation website is a good starting point. The information presented there has been vetted by the FinOps community. Uh, the FinOps Slack channel is another great resource to ask questions, as members are happy to provide their insights. Uh, of course, you can always reach out to me. I'm a FinOps ambassador, and I will help you. Um, for a plugin, I want to, of course, do a shout out again to the FinOps Foundation, uh, which is a program of the Linux Foundation dedicated to advancing people who practice cloud financial management. The foundation offers training and certifications in addition to monthly summits where workgroups present their outputs to progress standards around FinOps. What I like about the foundation is that members help each other out um, in advancing their careers. The foundation grew from just 26 members in 2019 to over 7,000 practitioners from around the world, representing the majority of the Fortune 500 companies. There are also over 60 partner vendors involved in the space. So uh, it's a great community uh, to learn more. And um, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and, and yeah, FinOps Foundation, um, the amount of work that they're doing to really progress the area of FinOps and build this community is absolutely phenomenal. So thank you to all the contributors, uh, the people that run it, and anyone that actually can, contributes to the FinOps Foundation as well. It is a massively valuable service that you're doing, not just today, but you know you are actually changing the world and, and making IT and cloud a much, much better place. So that is it for this episode of FinOps Fridays. As I mentioned before, if you want to reach out to us, finopsfridays at abdio.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment below. Enjoy the day. Thank you, Nathan, for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. This was great. So that is it for another episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode or would like to learn more, please feel free to reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. Also like and subscribe to get updates for future episodes.